Blog Talk Radio. You cannot get rid of tyranny by fighting tyrants. For a very good reason. Tyranny doesn't exist independently of something else which is more important. There is a something else which has to be defined before you know what tyranny is. What's that? It's opposite. Freedom. Get a friend. Get informed. And get involved. We are not cattle radio. Good evening and welcome to We Are Not Cattle Radio. I am your host, Jake Counts, coming to you live from Sonoya, Georgia, home literally and figuratively of The Walking Dead. It is the fifth day of November 2015, and we're going to be live here for the next hour. Joining me here in a few minutes will be Josh Wiley of statelesshomesteading.com, and we appreciate you guys bearing with us through these uh, recent challenges that we've had, uh, me personally, that I've had um trying to get a show off every week. So uh, we are back, well, not at our, our normal scheduled time. I had to push it back for some prior engagements I had at uh, an In the Fed rally. It is the 5th of November, so remember, remember the 5th of November, which is actually uh, an interesting topic in and of itself. But um, once Josh joins me here in a little bit, we're going to be talking about um, a topic that we've discussed at nauseum here but we want to put some bookends on it. And what we're going to be discussing tonight is the idea of COP21 uh, being the full-fledged uh, offspring of Agenda 21, tying all this in together with um, other topics that we talk about quite extensively, uh, the Internet of Things, the cybersecurity, how all and the cashless society, how all of these things tie in together to create this new form of what we believe is going to be a new form of governance that will be um, that will be interesting uh, in and of itself to watch its manifestation as we watch all of these different parts and pieces come together in kind of a calamity of errors as we see um, you know the the reports from NASA coming out that the Arctic ice is now increasing uh, things that we've talked about on the show a couple of times before and I and I do hate the uh, I told you so factor and stuff like that because it just it, it it diminishes what we what we discuss on the show because in essence what we're trying to to convey to the people is that you're being lied to and you're being lied to with a purpose. So the overarching theme of the show is to number one get people informed of of the lies that are going on whether it's uh, through media manipulation through overarching uh, big budget projects which Josh has a, a couple of really good breakdowns on Agenda 21, COP21. What some of these third world countries are asking for in the in the guides of you know moving forward with their with their sustainability goals. So excuse me, I'm doing some uh, audio play here. So yeah, that was not what I wanted. Sorry guys, we're doing audio on the fly here. So, and as Josh gets on, I'll have to mess with my levels a little bit as well. But um, I do have some really good clips that are really going to encapsulate um, what what all this Agenda 21, COP 21, climate change, what all of these things have in common, and then we'll we'll book in that with uh, with cybersecurity, uh, with CISPA, SOPA. Now, all of the new regulations, the um, the um, internet being regulated now by the FCC, what that means for true freedom, and as we've known, or as you've, uh, if you've followed the podcast long enough, you know that that we we really discuss um, human human empowerment, human freedom, and, and having the ability as a free society, as a free species, to be able to manifest the things that we want. But what we see on a day-to-day basis is the manifestation of things that the elitist class would like. Now, the way that this happens is through subtle propaganda, whether it's through um, uh, media outlets, whether it's through um, mass um, conditioning of the public through um, movies and popular culture. So when you ask people about the Internet of Things or 
where is this all going? Why is it that everybody gives you the same response? Why is it that everybody said, well, well, that's where, that's where society's headed. That's where we're going. Well, why, why is that? Does anybody ever stop to uh, to ask that question? You know, why, why is that where it's going? Why is that? Um, why is that? Why do you think that that is? So, a very good example of of uh, of conditioning people to words and not um and not really justifying the meanings and and understanding the definitions that we're all talking about was uh we had the uh, in the fed rally tonight and I went and took part of that in downtown uh posted a picture of that on Twitter and sent it out on my Twitter feed so you guys can follow me at we are not cattle the number 1 shameless plug but you know somebody's got to do it I guess but we got into a conversation regarding socialism, which I was explaining to people that the the real goal of of the authoritarian elitist class is not is not to have some you know hand holding society where everybody lives in peace and harmony. It's to create a um, it's to create a Fabian through the Fabian society and amongst others that we've tracked throughout history is to create a a one world socialist government. Now. It depends on what your definition of socialism is, whether you're talking about socialism, the, the, uh, the human policy of, of sharing and, and things of that nature, which I would agree with to an extent, or if you're talking about the economic policies that follow socialism. So remember, socialism isn't just, uh, isn't just economics. It's also um, socialization, too, which also gets kind of conflated as well. Uh, a lot of um a lot of um i guess uh, rhino capitalists would uh, would conflate um socialization with socialism they they believe that um that uh you know people being conditioned to act a certain way for the greater good is socialism will it, it is and it isn't uh, that's socialization that's uh, mass mind control uh, and you can look to you know, no further than your U.S. government for prime examples of how mass mind control and manipulation, uh, once again through popular mo- movies, culture, um, ads, uh, pushing memes, have um, have basically steered society. And, then, and that's the point that we're at now. So we're at the crossroads of a very interesting time where we have – um, we have the the issues of climate change or the so-called issues of climate change, which are made uh, issues by the media. Once again, uh, the 97 percent of scientists agree is a is a fallacy. Uh, and if you if you debate me on that, I would really like for you to go to look at the study, uh, find out the number of respondents. Number one, uh, the number of uh, people that actually um, were scientists at the time. There were no climate scientists because there was no such thing as a climate scientist at the time where they had the, the, um, the questionnaire sent out to these scientists. And, um, and also the questions because those are very important because if they agree, well, what are they agreeing upon? What is the verbiage being displayed in front of the people that are agreeing to? Or what is the verbiage that people and scientists are agreeing to? So those are all very um, fundamental questions that nobody typically answers in the climate community. They just say and, and spout the line that, uh, well, 97% of scientists agree. So, therefore, it is fact. It is fact, and we can take it to the bank. So, understanding that and how and how that works and, and how you can be manipulated from that angle is is one thing. And and also, the the understanding of of the Internet of Things and, and new technology, um, once again, uh, the Unabomber's Manifesto is very uh, interesting, uh, uh, to say the very least. The unintended consequences of technology. Uh, reading through that and and um, and seeing what uh, once again Ted Kaczynski says that none of, none of his working or his real manifesto is um, is out in the public domain. But from what you can read from whoever wrote this, it was a it was a pretty well thought out and and well um, uh, orchestrated uh, plan of the future. Much like uh, Zygna Brzezinski's Technotronic Era. I mean, they're mirror images of one another talking about the downfalls and where society is going. So, with that being said, all of these themes and memes that we see are now becoming reality. Now, why are they becoming reality? Well, 
one of the reasons that the themes and memes are becoming reality is that they're perpetrated throughout the public through what I like to call mass mind control, but I guess you could uh, call it laziness. You could call it intellectual laziness, I guess. Never questioning authority, always going with with what uh, with what sounds good. That's my main critic of the uh, of the New Age socialists is that um, they always go with what sounds good. They never go with what the real world applications and ramifications are. They they yield towards something that is um, a nation state. Um, gosh, one thirtieth the size of the United States, and say, see, it works perfectly here. Well, that's fantastic, and that's great for that nation state, but. But how does that equate to what we've experienced here in the United States and and you know shifting uh, not only social norms but economic norms? How is that going to impact us? Well, I do have some words of, uh, unfortunately, discouragement for the socialists. Um, you're not getting rid of the 400 and some odd billion dollar defense budget. It's not happening, which is also not audited, by the way. So if you want to really start reforming the nation state, maybe we should – how about audit the Pentagon? Audit where, audit where the majority of your dollar goes. Forty cents on your dollar goes to war or making war or protecting you from war. So let's see if those dollars are being used wisely. That's just a suggestion. But once again, the meme – of the socialism or, or of socialism of of the new age socialists is that capitalism is bad. I don't like any form of capitalism. This gets back to the conversation we were having tonight, where the uh, the person said, "Well, I don't like capitalism." I said, "Well, so you don't like profit? You don't think that that's fair? You don't think that that's fair that if I expend energy for something that um, and I create something, uh, you're going to give me uh, less of a value than I put into it?" So. Uh, and then it got them thinking of, well, well, I don't mean that. And so we run into this conundrum of what, what, what do we really want as a society? And, and the answer is nobody really knows. And, the, and that's the scary, the scary fact of the entire debate is that nobody really knows what the solution is. We can all come up with theories. It, it's kind of like Keynesian economics. You know, everybody can have their theory of what will work, or um, or military interventionism. Everybody can have their theory on what will work. But when you add the human element to it, it adds a variable that doesn't really give you the outcome that you can, that you can um, predict, which leads me, funny enough, into this whole Internet of Things. Well, what is the Internet of Things? Why are they, why are they talking about that this is going to be the wave of the future? Well... As we well know, governments like control, and people that are control freaks typically believe that the more data that they have, the better they can predict the future. Remember, who controls the past controls the future, uh, that, that, toward, that, that sort of line of thinking. So if they can have all the data in the world on you, then they can send it through a supercomputer. And since humans are, to an extent... Uh, creatures of habit, that we will start forming habits that will become patterns, and then they'll be able to predict the pattern. Much like you saw the IBM commercial where the cop is sitting outside of the, the gas station before the gas station gets robbed, and it's like, oh, well, it's just analytics. It's not just analytics, people. This is a long-term strategy to enslave you. It's a long-term strategy to take away your free will. It is a long-term strategy to take away your free speech. It is a long-term strategy to take away dissent. Why? Because people that push back are problems. Because if you get enough people pushing back and saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, I don't like the way that this is going, and somebody else looks over and says, hey, me too, I don't like the way that this is going either. I don't like the way that our society is going either. Then... Then you have a problem. So whether you believe that technology can save us or whether you believe technology could be our downfall, like the Atlantean, you know, the Atlantean myth that they created this big defense weapon and it blew up and destroyed the entire uh, civilization. I think that's how the old fable goes. But 
whether we believe that the Internet is going to save us or whether we believe that uh, technology is going to destroy us, me and in, in, in my holistic belief believe that um, it's got to get really bad before it gets better. Because right now everybody's in a malaise and they just kind of cruise through life because nothing's really affecting them, especially if you live in the West. Now, the, now over in, in Europe and the Middle East with the migrant situation, that's a whole different ball of wax. So, you know, since we're talking about Europe and since I transitioned to that little area, I would like to start out with my first clip, which would be the the Agenda 21. Um, I guess our first topic will be Agenda 21 revisited under the COP21 climate change initiative. So I'm going to actually pull up the website for COP21 here. And for those of you that want to play the home game, it is www.cop21.govu.fr/en. So, what struck me as fascinating when I first went to the COP21, the Paris conference, the COP and CO and CMP21 conference. This is about money. Now, the interesting thing is that we were sold this bill of goods that Agenda 21 was a conspiracy theory, that Agenda 21 didn't really happen, that nothing was really set in stone. But on the very front page, if you click on there, what is Agenda 21 uh, uh, under, excuse me, on the far right-hand tab where it says Climate Change and Decisions, the first, first very first paragraph reads as follows. The scale of international climate change negotiation has grown consistently since the 1992 Rio Earth Summit. After the entry into the force of the Kyoto Protocol in 2005 and the longer-term vision held at the Bali Action Plan in 2007 and then the vindication at the Copenhagen event in 2009, which Alex Jones, to his credit, did get the copies of the treaty and showed everybody how big of a boondoggle it was, of a common goal of limiting global warming to 2 degrees Celsius. In 2010, the Cancun Conference enabled us to make a goal of effective through the creation of dedicated institutions for key points, including those for adoption, the Green Climate Fund and the Technology Mechanism, excuse me, and the Technology Mechanism. The act together will keep it within the plus two degrees Celsius limit lead to creation of the Durban Platform, or ADP, with the role being together the develop and develop countries will work with the, quote, protocol legal instrument for agreed outcome with legal force. That's right. Um, COP21 is also establishing a um, a legal, I believe it's like a panel or something. It's This is so bizarre. You know, as as we the we are not cattle show, and many many others have warned you of global governance coming down the pipe, coming down the pipe, coming down. The mainstream media and any other um, person that has never looked into such things calls you a conspiracy theorist or tells you that you're off of your rocker. Well, lo and behold, it is here, and then they just say, well, yeah. We've kind of been talking about this for, you know, 23 years, but but now we're really starting to get a hold of it. And, and this is really to save the planet, which this is not to save the planet. This is to get money to third world nations. This is to punish the first world. This is exactly what they discussed when the um, head of the World Bank was talking about how and I wish I had the clip. I might have it in my archive on my um, on my drive. If I do, I'll load it in the show notes for tonight's podcast. But where they stated that the initial goal was to bring down the first world countries. Because in their words, that um, we, as the first world nations, wouldn't be able to do that ourselves to bring everybody, quote, up to our standards. Which is counterintuitive if you study economics you don't you don't win by bankrupting one person and giving the money to somebody else that doesn't create 
economies of scale. It doesn't create anything. It creates it creates neo mercantilistic fascism. In essence, I mean there is there's no two ways about it. So I'm going to continue reading here, and then I'm going to play a, a clip from somebody getting called out on on bunk that is climate change, but yet they push forward with all these instruments, with these boondoggles, with these you know big payouts, with these big cash grabs, and as soon as Josh joins me, he'll be able to shed some light on this as well. And then once again, towards the end of the show, we'll pull in how the Internet of Things is is the, the Trojan horse for instigating all of this stuff, which I believe, and Josh and I have talked about this a, a lot off air, I don't think we've talked about it a lot on air, I believe that these people that are at these summits believe that this is going to be like a new Marshall plan for the rest of the, for the third world, where they'll be able to just throw all kinds of money at this, even though it's a fake initiative, but um, to be able to give the third world money in order for them to build up their um, infrastructure and stuff, which we all know how that works. I mean, if you read Agenda 21, I'll pull it up. Actually, I don't have it on this computer, but might be able to find it on my website. If you, I think it's um. I think it's in the third page where it talks about the financials of Agenda 21. Uh, it's under, um, I think it's under documents you should read on my website, wearenotcallow.net. But it talks about how <laughs> the actual loans that are already out from the IMF and the World Bank will be overwritten with newer loans and bigger loans. So all of these little tiny nations that are asking for billions of dollars and their GDP is like one third of the money that they're even asking for. So there's no way that they can repay these loans. Um, they'll just get uh, zeroed out on the books and we'll just start anew and, and everything will be, everything will be peaches. And it looks like Josh just joined me. So I'm going to finish reading this and I'm going to bring him on and I'm, I'm going to play the, um, the, uh, the clip from the uh, Sierra club, which I thought was, fascinating that um, I heard on No Agenda. And um, to Ted Cruz's credit, uh, even though his wife's a, a CFR member and I don't trust her as far as I can throw her, that guy is is speaking about as much truth as I've ever heard anybody speak. Not that I'll vote in any kind of presidential reality show, but holy cow. I mean, he's taking it to these people, which is good because you know, at least he's on record. So, continuing, the protocol legal instrument or agreed-to outcome with legal force uh, applicable to all parties of to the UN Framework Agreement on Climate Change, the, quote, new instrument, will be adopted or will have to be adopted in the 2015 implementation from 2020 uh, and that the goal of the 2015 Paris Conference. The Doha, or, um, Doha Conference enshrines a commitment from several industrialized countries that in the second period of commitment by the Kyoto Protocol in 2013 to 2020 will conclude in the Bali Mandate. The, 20, the 2013 Warsaw Conference made crucial steps uh, towards achieving the Universal Climate Change Agreement in 2015. All states will have time to communicate their, quote, contributions and the efforts that they intend to undertake to reduce greenhouse gas emissions before the Paris conference for them to be assessed during the first half of 2015. So with that, I will pull up our resident uh, climatologist and COP21 expert, Josh Wiley of statelesshomesteading.com. Josh, thank you so much for joining us. Well, Jake, I don't know if I'd go that far, but thanks so much for having me. And I apologize for the technical issues. I uh, tripped a breaker right before I was supposed to call you. So that's quite all right. I'm actually, um, you're going to have to give me a second because I am not picking you up through um, my audio codex here. So give me uh, one second. I would hate to have to use the blog audio. So um, stand by for one second. Sure thing. It is a damn shame that the blog talk audio always turns out so garbled, or lo-fi, I should say. All right, let's try it again. Can you give me some audio? Indeed. Are, are we okay at the moment? I'm not Testing getting any recording. No, I'm not getting any recording on my end, so I guess we'll have to use the 
Blog Talk Audio. I do not know why this is doing this. Sorry, guys. Uh, live on the air, kind of working through some challenges here. I do not understand what is going on here. Wait, let me see if I can make an adjustment here. Speakers. Oh, here we go. USB codec. Have you gotten it figured out? I don't know. You keep talking. Uh, my fingers are crossed for you. I know how frustrating it is dealing with technical difficulties, let alone technical difficulties in the middle of a live show. Well, I mean, now we're now I can see you on both of my device and I can see you on Skype, but it's not getting picked up in Audacity, and I think I know why. So give me one. I might lose total audio here for a second. Very strange. Well, the Gremlins do have very con- convenient times that they they choose to show up, don't they? Okay, let's see if that worked. Okay, how are we, how are we looking at this point? Uh, that was actually not good at all. Now you're not even coming through the audio here. Oh my goodness! Um, well, and, and one your fidelity has cha- your fidelity has changed a slight bit. So. Okay. Yeah, it should be picked up now. Are we good? Okay. Yeah, you might want to turn your gain down a little bit. Good lord! Now we're all over the map. Okay. Well, my gain okay now. Uh, no, you're coming through a little bit garbled, but you're 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 intelligible. Ah, all right, back to the other port. Stand by, everybody. Sorry, live broadcast. Give me another twenty seconds. Oh, um, for for those of you playing the home game, please do not uh, uh, send anybody any links until probably tomorrow morning, so I can get this all straightened up, and I will clip out this little a tidbit here. So stand by, everyone. Okay. This should take a second to pick up. Test, test, test. Driver uh, software install was not installed successfully. Well, I, I have a, a recording going in the background, Jake, just in case anything goes goes awry. Goes awry. Okay, hold on. Let's see if it's going to pick up my mic. Um, okay. I think I might be okay now. Do we sound good? Yep. Um, I think I'm, I think I'm back. Okay. Well, at least my audio is here. I don't know where in the heck the, your audio is, is not coming in. That's just so, so bizarre. All right. So you do have a, you do have an audio, um, recording, correct? Yeah, I have a backup running right now. So, and I know it would be a hassle, but if you are really concerned with the, the audio quality for the audio files in the audience, it wouldn't be too difficult to splice. My good recording of my voice and your good recording of your voice. And my, is, is my gain okay? Now? All right, wait a oh. minute. That was uh, sorry. I'm gonna open up a new file. <laughs> All right, here we go. Now let's see if we get anything from Josh. Oh, I know what it is. Stupid. All right, go ahead, man. Go ahead and start okay. talking. We can fix oh. it. Okay. Well, uh, I'm again real sorry that I wasn't back in time to to do this uh, post. Your pre-show uh, sound check could have gotten these things situated uh, in ahead of time, but. Oh well, I mean, I guess it's coming through the the blog talk, so I guess we'll just have to use the blog talk stream because. Okay. And now I'm not catching anything on Skype or any of the other devices, so let's see. Well, uh, no. Again, again, I, I've got the I've got the backup recording running, so. All right, so. Once again, resident expert uh, from COP21, uh, Josh Wiley. I don't, I don't want to know if you're an expert or anything, but um, I would say um, resident sleuth for all things, um, all things um, COP21 and climate change initiative guaranteed. Mr. Josh Wiley of StatelessHomesteading.com. So. Sorry that for I would long. say is more accurate. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> well, um, so I was just reading um, from from the uh, official page of COP21, where I thought, Josh, I thought that I was and you were a conspiracy theorist for uh, ever talking about the Rio summit or talking about Copenhagen or any of these other you know globalist confabs where they get together and discuss uh, world. Policy. I thought we were conspiracy theorists to believe that they were actually going to try to set policy, but now 
uh, with COP21 rolling out, it seems like that that's exactly what they're headed for. Uh, isn't it hilarious that uh, that the rhetoric changes now that COP21 is coming out? Uh, as I was writing in a recent article, or fairly recent, uh, I write a lot of articles on Agenda 21, uh, but I wrote one entitled, uh, This December, Agenda 21 is Getting an Update, talking about COP21. Uh, and <laughs> I was perusing a Guardian article as well as the official page of COP21 for the Paris conference, um, and both of them proudly declared that this is an update, an official update for Rio 92, uh, which is colloquially, only, colloquially known, of course, as Agenda 21. And for years, people were deemed conspiracy theorists for even uh, saying that, that Rio 92 took place, let alone uh, that local visioning seminars like those from ICLE were at any, in any manner involved. Uh, in the the plan that was made in 1992, but COP21 is evidently an official update to a plan that never existed. Um, I I also find it funny that uh, in that uh, write up on uh, the failures of Rio 92 from the Guardian, uh, they cite the lack of specific planning uh, regiments, the lack of centrally planned uh, visions for the world, and COP21 is set to uh, rectify this mistake of history in the eyes of globalism, Jake. So that's why I find it so interesting. It's, uh, it's an open declaration of not only war on free humanity, but it's an open declaration of the updating of, uh, of Agenda 21, quite explicitly. Well, I mean... I, I I said it before on, earlier in the show. I, I I don't like to say we told you so because that just sounds arrogant. But we tried to warn you people. I guess that's a better better way of bringing it up. So um, let's see if I can get this audio to play. And if not, Josh, I'll have to um, I'll have to send you the audio file because uh, I don't know if this is going to play or not through my um, through my current setup which will really aggravate me because I don't think that I have anything set up differently here, but who knows. So this is, um, I don't know if you were able to, to catch this. And if you, if you, um, if you can go to the, um, Josh, if you can go to the no agenda show archives and download this, uh, briefly while I try to pull it up in that case. And if it, in case it doesn't work, if you can play it through your audio codec, that'd be great. But um, this is the um, this is the interview that Ted Cruz had with uh, the the <laughs> the president of the Sierra Club, who um, who basically copped out. Let's see if this works. So I'm gonna. All right. So let me know if you can hear the audio, Josh. If you can't, just now. Sure thing. Is it correct? Can you hear that? We're good. Okay. Great. Well, all right. Well, here we go, everybody. All right. Um, Remember, uh, we're conspiracy theorists for challenging the notion of uh, man-made anthropogenic global warming written to you by um, Mr. Ehrlich and um, somebody that believed in uh, global cooling in the 70s. So here we go. That the satellite data over the last 18 years demonstrate no significant warming. No. How is it incorrect? Based upon our experts, it's been refuted long ago, and there is no longer. It's not up for scientific debate. No, it's not up for debate anymore, Josh. So, um, cool your jets. We're not allowed to debate this. I'm curious if so. so it's it's. I, I want to understand this. I do find it highly interesting that the president of the Sierra Club, when when asked what the satellite data demonstrate about warming, um, apparently is is relying on on staff. So so. You, the, the, the nice thing about the satellite data is these are objective numbers. Correct. And the numbers over the last 18 years, are you familiar with the phrase, the pause? And he has to look back to his lawyer. The answer is yes. And uh, essentially, uh, we rest on our position. And, and to what you said, you are familiar with the pause. So to what does the phrase, the pause, refer? I'm sorry, you said you were familiar with that term, so I asked to, to what does it refer? Essentially, it's the slowing in global warming during the 40s, sir. During the 40s? Is it not the term that, that global warming alarmists have used to explain the inconvenient truth 
to use a phrase popularized by former Vice President Al Gore, that the satellite data over the last 18 years demonstrate no significant warming whatsoever. Global warming alarmists call that the pause because the computer models say there should be dramatic warming, and yet the actual satellites taking the measurement don't show any significant warming. But, Senator, 97% of the scientists concur and agree that there is global warming and anthropogenic impact with but, regards but to global warming. The problem with that statistic that gets cited a lot is it's based on one bogus study. And, and indeed, your response, I, I would point yeah. to your response is quite striking. I asked about the science and the evidence, the actual data. We have satellites. They're measuring Correct. temperature. That should be relevant. And your answer was, pay no attention to your lying eyes and the numbers that the satellites show. Instead, listen to the scientists who are receiving massive grants who tell us, do not debate the science. Oh, that is it. That is it to a T, is it not, Josh? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, it's interesting that Ted Cruz is now talking about this uh, in a very critical light, as is Vladimir Putin simultaneously. Uh, I find that a very curious potential orchestration. I don't, I don't know if that's the case. Uh, but the Sierra Club is a difficult uh, animal to pin down because, you know, they're, they're funded by the Soros uh, Open Society Institute guys, the Rockefeller Foundation. They've got a lot of... Yeah. Uh, uh, money in there from various NGOs and uh, and sugar daddy foundations, uh, but at the same time that they are running around uh, promoting the ideas of smart growth uh, and sustainable development and all of the uh, digital chicanery that comes with that that we've discussed on this show, Jay, countless times. They're also uh, very staunch advocates, uh, at least in in the state of Michigan, our local chapter in. Defense uh, uh, for the Right to Farm Act, the Michigan Right to Farm Act, which is one of the strongest in the country, or at least it was uh, before it was amended, I believe, last year, um, to to the point now where it's become one of the more draconian states in the country, uh, going from one of the most free to operate a small farm to, uh, to the most restrictive. Uh, some of the restrictions, uh, th- things uh, such as having uh, animals or, or crops within 300 feet of a neighbor, even if you're zoned residential agricultural, or yeah, agricultural, excuse me, not residential. Uh, if you're within the, the that limited boundary, then technically the DNR can, can shut you down. And I guess that's why uh, Agenda 21 is such a prickly topic, because you have these, uh, it, it's it's the nature of the public-private partnership, really, because which underlies all these Agenda 21-style uh, visioning visions for, for the future, in that it's a combination of, um, of, of, of state power as well as uh, corporate and NGO power. So you can have a group like the Sierra Club uh, play good cop, bad cop on, on specific issues while moving towards this agenda of a more collectivized future. Uh, the, the, the DNR is another excellent example of a government institution that at the same time uh, it will be you know, working to clean up a lake uh, it will be moving uh, pig farmers uh, off of their land, as did happen in the state of Michigan, as a result of the the Right to Farm Act that, again, the Sierra Club is lobbying against, or, or, or for, excuse me. Uh, so, yeah, just a, a confusing mishmash of all of these different characters implementing aspects of sustainable development and kind of butting heads on certain parts as well, right? Uh, but the, the the referendum and the initiative at its core is uh is is the same and that's underlined i think by by the neo malthusian uh clip that you just played it's it's global warming that underpins all these groups uh they may have their differences and they may squabble but at the end of the day uh they believe that we're all going to fry to death before the year 2050 (laughs) that's and once again that's why you see them all clinging to it you know clinging to clinging to the science clinging to all these different things about the Sierra Club and they're a really tough uh, group to depend on. Uh, do you remember that video clip that you sent me um, regarding uh, it was the Adam Curtis or he talked 
about the men from Russia that would fund all kinds of different uh, different groups to create chaos. It, it seems like Vladislav Surkov is is the guy's name. He's a yeah. he's a Russian impressionist artist who used that those impressionist techniques in in propaganda. And it seems like that the Sierra Club and a bunch of these other foundations use that kind of same tactic where they'll you know, they'll fund some really good stuff and then you'll turn around the corner and they've got some really nasty stuff that they've funded as well. So I don't know if it was a concerted effort or if it's just a way to kind of um, couple or cover all their bases. I guess we'll never know because we're not in the inner workings of the group, but it just seems well, to me. Yeah, go ahead. I, I just wanted to say, you know, you can in uh, something like Operation Gladio, uh, both Gladio A and uh, Gladio B revealed by FBI whistleblower Sibel Edmonds. Uh, we have uh, former Gladios now coming out and saying that they had something at work very similar to the Surkov-style propaganda called the strategy of tension. Uh, yep. It largely revolved around false flag bombings, but they said the goal is essentially just to get the people so confused and whipped up into a state of fear that all they uh, all that is that is in their mind is is the is the safety and the blanket of the state, the security from the great unknown. Uh, and, and that's why they targeted civilian populations um, specifically, because that the civilians were the, the group of people whose opinion they wanted to influence. Uh, so using this strategy of tension, not in a, in a way of bombs and warfare, but now instead in this realm of propaganda, this uh, Vladislav Surkov-style propaganda, uh, I think it's, it's difficult to know definitively, yes, because we are not behind that proverbial iron curtain of deep politics. Um, but we can get a glimpse behind it on, on occasion. Uh, that Adam Curtis clip, by the way, is excellent. Uh, it's uh, one of Charlie Booker's 2014 screen wipes. If anyone wants to look it up, I believe it's called uh, non, Non-Linear Media Warfare is the title of that I'll, video. Six, I'll put it in yeah. the show notes. Yeah, yeah six, six minutes long, very short, just, just so people get an idea of where we're coming from. But Surkov's propaganda method was essentially, as you said, just to, to very much like the strategy of tension, to fund everybody. Uh, you know, from neo-Nazis to communists, pro-Putin, anti-Putin, fund them all, and then let it be known to the people that you're funding all of these groups. So they're left with a general state of confusion that results in malaise. Uh, and Would it be safe to say that a very popular alternative media host uses these similar tactics in his day-to-day -day media production? Uh, I think, uh, yeah, you're describing uh, the seed man, potentially. But I think a lot of alternative media sources, some knowingly and some unknowingly, do this just by the nature of alternative media. They grab a soundbite and they run with it. Yeah. Um, this, this Putin thing, Jake, was an excellent example because we have a 30-second soundbite from Vladimir Putin talking about the truth. knew that this was going to set Josh off because he's <laughs> – he sent me a long article. Actually, he wrote an article about uh, Russia and their involvement with uh, COP21. And go ahead, Josh. Break it down, people. So the, the alternative media is uh, a buzz this past week because Vladimir Putin released a 30-second soundbite saying what we all know to be true about sustainable development, that it's a tool of the Anglo-American establishment to, to pursue globalization and colonization by means other than war. Uh, and that's absolutely true of this global New Deal plan uh, that is sustainable development. Um, so the the alternative media picks up that soundbite, runs with it, spreads it to the high winds. Everybody cheers and jeers that Vladimir Putin is is a savior of the people. Uh, and then, you know, if you haven't succumbed to cognitive dissonance at this point, you can go and uh, read sources like, again, an article that I just wrote a couple weeks ago uh, entitled Russia 21. Uh, technocracy Agenda 21 and the New World Order in the Russian Federation. You can read that on my site. Um, but I, I break down very succinctly uh, not only the fact that the Trilateral Commission and the United Nations have been inside Russia for the past 15 years building smart cities, uh, not only that the Kremlin is very open to this idea of carbon credits and the SDR and has been on record as saying that uh, you know, as, 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 as late as 2011, so not that long ago, uh, but that the Soviet Union has has a history of building these these enclaves uh, in places like uh, Magnitogorsk, uh, which was a, a clone of Gary, Indiana, a cybernetically centrally planned, centrally managed city. Uh, so it's not as if there is not a, a, an ideational continuity for Russia to pick up on. 
Uh, they, they have a history of developing smart city technologies, and now they're working in the 21st century uh, with the Trilateral Commission largely and corporations affiliated with the Trilateral Commission. Of course, it's also worth noting that uh, despite the fact that Vladimir Putin uh, talks about, uh, gives a lot of great lip service to being anti-Agenda 21, which I sincerely hope that he is, it, it would break my heart to, to see the Russian people, uh, to have sustainable development befall the Russian people the way it has the, the rest of the world. Um, but unfortunately, it is befalling them because their country is signatory to the Kyoto Protocols and has been since 2004. Uh, they originally did not sign on to Kyoto, but a couple of years later, they said, no, nah, this sounds like a great idea. We're, we're on board. Uh, Russia is still signatory uh, to Agenda 21, uh, the Rio 92 conference, and they're, set, they're slated to attend COP21 in, in Paris this December. So barring any action or resistance for, for this global climate change initiative in December again in Paris, I see no reason uh, to, to take this, again, 30-second soundbite and juxtapose it uh, with, over the past decade, Russia building smart cities en masse with, with globalists. Well, so now that shifts our topic perfectly into the idea of, of globalization and the idea of smart cities and the idea of the the new technocracy becoming the norm and just becoming fashionable, uh, getting you to thumbprint to use your Apple wallet because it's much more secure. Uh, talking about retina scanning uh, in the future, there was a um, there was a group coming out that was saying that they were going to uh, start retina scanning kids um, in schools. This came out a couple of years ago in, in Florida, but they're back at it again. So where does all this stuff come from? Well, um, there was a World Net Daily article that caught my eye, and not because I love World Net Daily, but just because of the one thing that I saw, um, very, very fascinating. I sent it to Josh, and Josh and I both went to um, uh, pretty much the same place at the same time. And I'm just going to read the first couple paragraphs because this is the most important part. Um and it's asking about where have all the Muslims gone. They said the German authorities are asking questions of themselves of the troubling reports of disappearances. According to the German press reports, keeping track of the Muhammads and Allahs pouring across the country and becoming even trickier for the countries being flooded with these people as they move from East Asia to and Africa. Uh, now the United Nations is partnering with a private company. Once again, we see it, the public-private partnership, as always, and the universal for a new universal identification system that will comply with United Nations sustainability goals of getting quote legal biometric IDs with iris scanners, photographs, and fingerprints into the hands of everyone in the world by the year 2030. And that's where my mouth dropped and sent it right to Josh and said, "This is it. This is how they. This is how they roll it out." And with all of the goings-on that's happened uh, with IBM and China becoming a, a little bit more hand-in-hand, uh, -hand. also uh, there was a – there was a, a, uh, I sent you the article, Josh, the New York Times article that talks about how the U.S. tech giants may blur the lines of national security with, uh, in boundary deals with China. And it talks about here in the report that not only the Chinese military run deep, and they have also have um, some – each Chinese company owns one of the American tech giants, IBM, Cisco, or Microsoft, as a partner. Now, what do all three of those uh, companies have in common? Those are the three major players for the Internet of Things. Cisco is the one that's trying to push the idea that they will run the backbone for the Internet of Things. Uh, IBM is the one that's going to run the analytics, and obviously Microsoft will put their spyware right on your PC to grab all the data as it leaves your personal device uh, sitting in front of you or whatever device that you have. And as you read through the article, it kind of, you know, goes over the the difference between um, uh, the what China's doing and, and what IBM's letting them do. It also does a sales pitch for the U.S. Navy in this portion where it says, in May, the United States Navy said that it will need a newer server computer, so it's a big sales pitch. They're trying to get IBM to sponsor that deal, too. And so when you see some of these articles, it's it's a, it's a lot about letting other companies know what's going on and, and also trying to get um, – trying to entice uh, these companies to, to get um, – to give these guys some good deals. 
And as we look down here at the bottom, uh, I was talking with a um, a rep today in the telecom industry. She and I um, are, are both, uh, I guess, pretty aware of how this stuff works. Uh, and larger deals, people, and larger corporations, I know because I sell this stuff a lot, uh, and larger corporations, they will offset negative costs or negative um, negative investments by looking for a PR move. So I think that that's what this is because it goes on to say that Intel took a state last year in the subsidiary of Teijing Holdings, China's emerging microchip national corporation. Hewlett-Packard also sold a majority stake of its Chinese networking unit as, as a private subsidiary in Teijing this year. And Dell said it would spend $108.25 billion in China through 2020. Now, Inspur, which is a, a spinoff of Intel, so they're making chips, uh, and CC Core did not, um, did not respond to requests to comment, and Intel and HP and Dell all declined to comment. So what does it tell you when these tech giants are doing these huge deals with these governments that are shady at best? Once again, Josh, you can get into the sustainable development portion and some of these um, smart cities that China has going on. But I think that that's where a lot of this money is going as little beta tests to see if this will be accepted, number one, by the population, and number two, its effectiveness before they start trying to roll it out as package deals going to municipalities and saying, hey, here's what we can do. This is what we did for this nation state. This is what we did for this city. Oh, by the way, you've got a bunch of grant money coming in. We'll come in. We'll rewire your network. We'll go ahead and put smart hubs over here. We'll do this over here. And guess what? It won't cost you a lot of money out of pocket because the government's going to pay for it. What are your What are your thoughts to that? Oh well, Jake, there's oh, a lot Jake, there. Uh, putting uh, the uh, the real I, the 2030 uh, global real ID uh, aside for just a moment, because that is uh, an incredibly disturbing trend. Uh, this idea of uh, the beta tests for technocratic technologies being in Asia uh, is a tradition that has existed for decades now. Uh, I, there's a, an episode of an old show called Computer Chronicles. Um, called High Tech Singapore. You can find that on YouTube. And this episode is from 2001, so almost 15 years ago now. Uh, and it's uh, touring uh, a city in Singapore, uh, which is uh, a, a beta test for a UN sustainable, de sustainable development city. Solar panels everywhere, um, but of course there are also cameras everywhere, uh, uh, sensors everywhere that track your car, that tax you by the mile. Uh, students uh, no longer check, took attendance in class. They have uh, RFID tags now that, that do their attendance and order their lunch for them and do all of these things. And, you know, looking back on that from, from 2015, it's easy to say, well, yeah, okay, if, if you've been a college student any time in the past, you know, five to seven years, uh, something like an RFID-equipped student ID is already very comfortable to you. Something like the idea of, you know, uh, teachers not taking attendance instead doing that digitally is also very comfortable to you. Uh, but, of course, uh, the, there's this underlying specter of this technology being able to track and trace you everywhere you go. And in Asia, uh, China, Singapore, Taiwan, South Korea, Japan, certainly, but to a decreasing extent, I guess, uh, given their economic la lackluster economic performance over the past 20 years. We have a society that has been uh, readily conditioned to accept the uh, the, the coming smart city. Uh, that that it, it's very it's it, it can't be understated because you also listed a number of corporations there, Jake. Uh, Hewlett Packard, Hewlett Packard, Lucent, uh, IBM, of course, Cisco. Uh, car manufacturers are also involved in in the erection of smart cities throughout not just uh, East Asia and the South China Sea region, but Russia as well. Uh, a lot of military industrial complex firms involved in that as well. But yeah, about half of the companies that you listed. And again, I have uh, uh, these lists on my website, statelesshomesteading.com, if, if anyone wants to go check. I have the rosters of the Trilateral Commission members, uh, the corporations and the departments they're affiliated with, and then what those departments are doing in building these smart cities. It's, it's a very clear agenda. It's not, it's not even uh, a secret. It's, it's an open secret, if anything. Um, but when you look to the to the broader plan of sustainable development and can conjoin that with uh, ideas like uh, like this Real ID Act of 2030, that is of course 
uh, being, uh, you know, hark- is hearkening in its existence by, by saying to the people of Europe, oh, well, of course, you, you want to be safe from, from the bad immigrants that are coming in. The, 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 right. But if we, if we tag the good ones with an RFID chip and we tag you with an RFID chip, then we'll just be able to sort this out for everyone. And uh, it, it's a, the Hegelian dialectic at its finest, Jake, and, and that d- specific dialectic drives so much of sustainable development. Uh, and I'm constantly flabbergasted and to a certain extent amazed at these people's ability to ramrod these seemingly disparate agendas into one another and come out with a, their desired synthesis, like a real ID or a smart city on the other end. Well, and and then you tie in the cashless society to it as well, how they just want to eliminate... Which Europe is very ready for at this point. Yeah, and, and it's very it's very disturbing when you see the Fed talking about how they're looking at negative interest rates. Uh, I think that the negative interest rates is a ploy to get people to to pull cash out of um, to pull cash out of the bank or to or to perhaps leave it in there and, and you know not save off the punishment of having your cash being devalued every day that you're walking around, even though it's being devalued anyway. Well, it, Jake, I. I Go ahead. I don't know. I don't know about you, but at my uh, local credit union, I have had uh, a three dollar a year surcharge every year since 2011 um, for just the privilege of keeping an account. Uh, in addition to a five dollar inactivation fee if I don't use the account for longer than 90 days. So That's I correct. would effective. I would effectively say that we already have negative interest rates, and they're just not called negative interest rates. Uh, you're getting. You're getting. Uh, short change, you know, once once every, you know, six months. And one when we have negative interest rates, of course, that'll be a, a far more consistent activity. But, but yeah, I would say that we already have, have negative interest rates. It's a bit of a well, facade. When was the last time you put 20, you know, $20,000 in a bank and expected it to keep pace with inflation? Well, here's the other thing that I was going to say on top of that. When I went to uh, cash a check that I got from my insurance company because I don't um, – I don't hold a checking account at any of the mega banks because they're um, money laundering criminals. So, you know, me morally, I can't do that. So I go to cash this check, and I didn't want to go to my credit union because it was uh, way out of the way. So I went to the actual bank that wrote the check um, for USAA, and I went and cashed it. And they said, well, there is, uh, since you do not have an account, Josh, you ready for this? There is an $8 charge for you to cash this check. There's an $8 wow. charge for me to cash a check that came from their checkbook. From their bank, yeah. My, uh, uh, I had uh, my dad go and attempt to cash a check for me. Uh, it would have been about a year ago now. Um, and he came back and said, even though I'd endorsed the check over to him, uh, mm. and it was very clear that you know we were related, uh, that his mm. bank would not, would not cash the check. Yeah, uh, were, right. Yeah, a lot, a lot of draconian controls in that respect. I mean, as a, I, I'm, for example, I'm a coin roll hunter. So on a regular basis, I'm going into banks and you know get, getting a, a twenty-five dollar box of pennies to pull the copper, for example, and then you know returning those rolled coins to a bank. And even five years ago, Jake, it was very easy to do because money is money. You don't have to have an account with a bank to give them ten dollars and have them break it up into quarters or pennies for you, right? Uh, there, there certainly never used to be a, a charge for pre-rolled coins and, and taking them in and returning them to a bank and, and getting cash. Uh, now we're reaching the point where uh, there, there are precious few banks that will, that will do that for you. The last, one of the last few was actually, to my surprise, J.P. Morgan Chase, who actually <laughs> just, yeah, who actually just ended that policy three weeks ago. So uh, as far as I know, at this point, there is no bank in the country where you can actually exchange money anymore without an account, actually, or at least at least in the state of Michigan. Well, that's fabulous. We got uh, we got about a minute left, man. Um, parting words before we uh, ex- uh, exit this uh, this podcast for this evening. Uh, well, I guess uh, I'm very excited about uh, an article that I'm about to be releasing here in the next few days uh, about. Uh, sustainable development in Ghana and how that ties into not only the Gladio network, uh, but the international heroin trade. Uh, so it, I, I think it's an interesting kind of expose into uh, how a lot of these seemingly, again, disparate agendas, like loading Ghana with two-thirds GDP worth of debt and, and running a bunch of uh, heroin through their airports, 
uh, how those things might not connect uh, to your average uh, reader of the New York Times or the Post or anything like this. But uh, to someone in our uh, neck of the ideological neck of the woods, Jake, uh, I think it'll be interesting. And that's over at statelesshomesteading.com, where I've got a lot, a lot of writing on uh, a lot of different topics, but primarily at this point, sustainable development. And as I was sitting here scrolling, I noticed that I do not have uh, my exit. I appreciate the person telling me I have 10 seconds left. So I'm sitting here searching for some exit audio for everybody. Do I have any kind of... uh, Oh, here we go. Here's some exit audio for everyone. Once again, uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, Follow me on Twitter. We are not cattle, the number one. Be sure to share the show with people you love, people you know, people you like. Uh, sorry for the poor quality audio. Sorry for the um, on-the-fly, um, I guess, uh, audio challenges. But uh, I'll have them fixed for next time. I, I had to get, um, I had to load a new operating system on this machine, and so my audacity is not um, cooperating tonight. But um, that's it, everybody. Thanks for the show. Remember, get a friend, get informed, get involved, get out there, try to change some people's lives, change the, change the way that they see the world. Uh, we need to create more independent thinkers out there and uh, need to start questioning authority just a little bit more. I think we'll head in the right direction. Peace, love, and liberty, everyone. Take care. Get ready for the super state. This is our exit. Logic is an enemy and truth is a menace. There is very little call for the services of a librarian. Case in point, a minister. A minister would tell us that his function is that of preaching the word of God. And of course it follows that since the state has proven that there is no God, that would make the function of a minister somewhat academic as well. There is a God. are in error, Mr. Wordsworth. There is no God. The state has proven that there is no God. You cannot erase God with an edict. You are obsolete, Mr. Wordsworth. You have no function, Mr. Wordsworth. You're an anachronism, like a ghost from another time. I am nothing more than a reminder to you that you cannot destroy truth. You're a bug, Mr. Wordsworth, a crawling insect. An ugly, misformed little creature who has no purpose here, no meaning. I am a human being. I exist. And if I speak one thought aloud, that thought lives, even after I'm shoveled into my grave. Delusions, Mr. Wordsworth. Delusions. The Bible, poetry, essays, all kind, all of it, an opiate to make you think you have a strength when you have no strength at all. You have nothing but spindly limbs and a dream. And the state has no use.